0: Welcome to Tap the Craft, an informational podcast about craft beer targeting the everyday beer drinker. My name is Denny Luce, and joining me tonight is my partner in craft and my drinking buddy, John Reem. How are you doing tonight, John?
1: Uh, I'm ready for this beer after doing my taxes today. So. Oh,
0: gosh. You know, <laughs> I, I'm glad that I'm not the only one that procrastinates with taxes. I uh, did my kids' taxes uh, a couple weeks ago. And I put mine off until last, or actually this week, I think on uh, Monday or Tuesday. I think I finally sat down and punched it out. I knew I wasn't going to be t- happy. Um, but you know what? I was pleasantly surprised that I didn't, didn't owe more than I did. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, I, you know, I got off pretty easy. I think uh, I'm just going to hold out until uh, next week. Probably I'll send off my checks to the state and federal. And uh, they'll be out of my hair for another
1: year. So that'll be good. Yeah, I'm, I'm just ecstatic that it's actually still March and I have it done. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I usually wait till the last
1: minute. But
0: uh, because I'll be heading out of town again, uh, I just didn't want to put it off and then have something come up where I wasn't able to complete it and have to uh, you know, ask for an extension. So, yeah, like I said, I should be getting my stuff in the mail uh, probably next week. So, and I hope you made off better than I did. Now, you know, without an extra kid,
1: that probably helped, huh?
0: Oh, no, you can't even claim it. Well, yeah. it was...
1: Not yet. Yeah, but I, I did make a small uh, interest-free loan to the government, Okay. 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 Not okay. too bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the same way. I try to
0: plan it out so that the government keeps the least amount of money, and if I have to pay a little bit, at the, you know, when I do my taxes, I'm okay with it. As long as I don't have to pay, like, a big chunk. And I've been pretty lucky. Uh, you know, I I figure out the numbers pretty good. So, all right. Well, hey, you know what? Let's t- t- stop talking about taxes. Let's just talk about, hey, what this podcast is all about. And Tap the Craft, we are an educational podcast. And you know what? We focus on trying to bring more people into the craft beer hobby. John and I, we are craft beer enthusiasts, And what does that mean? Hey, that means we love to drink, we love to talk about and learn about craft beer. And you know what? Because we're enthusiasts, that means we are not experts. We are going to talk from our knowledge, but we're also going to talk from our heart. And sometimes our heart is not completely factual. So just remember that. And if we do overstep our bounds and come up with something that's not... You know, really true. Hey, go ahead and contact us. And let us know. We'll be glad to correct it on the show and we'll give you credit for your beer expertise. Um, so, like we said, uh, we're here to help you learn about the craft beer ho- hobby and we're going to do it in really easy to understand terms. We're not going to go and talk to you like you're in college, like some professor talking about all these you know, big words and things that you were assuming you know. We're assuming you know nothing, and we're going to talk to you and help you understand the craft beer hobby the, the easiest way possible. So that's what you have to look forward to with our show. We encourage listener participation. We want you, our listeners, to go ahead and write into the show. We want you to provide your experiences and your knowledge. We want you to ask questions that we can answer for you on the show. And you know what? One of the, the key parts of our show is once a month, we like to do a listener participation tasting notes segment. That means we like to drink a beer, let you guys know what beer we're going to be drinking so you can go and pick it up and l- drink it along with us once a month. So you can hear how John and I go about uh, when, we, when we try to, uh, to explain or try to interpret how a beer tastes, uh, you can hear how we do it so you can kind of get the same idea uh, when you're drinking along with us. And with that being said, we do have a beer picked out for our very next episode, episode 19. And the beer will be Stone Brewing's IPA. And uh, this is going to be our first India Pale Ale tasting. Well, at least the first one that we're allowing the listeners to participate with us. I think we've talked about other IPAs uh, on the show but hey this is the first one you guys can drink along with us so you have two weeks now to go and find at least one if not a six pack of stone brewing ipa and i hope everyone can find it across the nation i, I think it's a it's a widely
1: distributed beer you think so john yeah it should be and just to be clear it's there's st- Standard stock IPA, yes. not one of the, like, 20 specialty IPAs. That yeah, they yeah, so.
0: not the Rue Nation, not the, what other one, the uh, The right. new one's Delicious
1: IPA. Yeah, or the any of the Enjoy Buys or, or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, this, <laughs> this is
0: the original Stone Brewing IPA, the original. So it comes in six packs. So go, go buy a six pack, or if you have a bottle shop, at least buy one. But I think you're going to enjoy it, so go ahead and buy six. Also, you know what? Uh, One thing that we don't like to push too hard, but we want to let everyone know that we do invite our listeners to support the show. Just, just you know, not monetarily, but just by writing or you know taking a couple minutes to write an iTunes review, Uh, if you like what we do, uh, because you know we are doing this uh, out of the goodness of our hearts. We just want to pass on the good news. It would really help out the show reach more listeners if there were more iTunes reviews out there on the show uh, page for for iTunes. So if you do have iTunes and you are listening through iTunes, could you please just uh, take a minute or two, uh, just search for Tap the Craft on iTunes Store and uh, hit the review and just write a few words saying what you like about the show and give us a a nice star rating. That would be great. And uh, so this is episode 18 and we are recording it on March 29th 2015 and you know what in this episode we're focusing on one thing and that is our listener questions and the listener questions this episode are focused mainly on beer packaging and beer serving how, how does beer served? served uh, and so we just want to, uh, to give a, a shout out to our great listener questions and one way we do that is just to have a show devoted to you so here you go. Um, but before we get started on that, John, hey, uh, we need to wet our whistles. And uh, it's time to uh, to let the listeners know if we are drinking a beer and what that beer is. So, John, are you drinking tonight?
1: Uh, yes. I am drinking a Sierra Nevada Hop Hunter IPA, mm-hmm. which is one of, like, three or four new beers they just put out recently. Uh, <clears throat> but what makes this one different is it's uh, brewed with distilled hop oils um and let me tell you when i popped the bottle open (laughs) like there was just this rush of hop aroma right in my nose which usually doesn't happen uh from a bottle you know you'll get it once you put it in the glass but Mm -hmm. um it's kind of masked in the bottle but so far the few i've had i'm really enjoying it Uh, a really good hop character yeah
0: yeah this is uh i've had this beer i've had it in the bottle and I've had it on tap and you know what? It tastes great both in the bottle and also on tap. It's, uh, it's, it's really a, a very well done IPA. And especially because it's like John said, it's made from the distilled hop oils. Uh, it just seems that, that the aroma and the flavor just, it's, it's, I don't know, just jumps out of this beer. And I I think anyone who really enjoys IPAs and enjoys hop flavors Uh, I recommend going and finding this beer. So, good. Um, I'm also drinking. Uh, I'm drinking a beer left over from my vacation I just got off of. We just uh, uh, spent four days out in the woods. uh, No cell service, no internet, no nothing. Just kind of uh, enjoying some family time out uh, in a friend's cabin in the woods. And of course, because we're out in the middle of nowhere, I had to bring a lot of beer. So I brought uh, I brought uh, a 12-pack of the Session uh, Export Lager. That's from Full Sail Brewing. They have a bunch of Session beers. This is the one in the light blue uh, box. If you happen to get Full Sail Session L's and your or lagers in your area, this is a golden lager that's you know supposed to be exported from the United States out to other places and. I'll tell you what I love this beer. And John, have you had a chance to have this one yet? I know last time I had on, the, I, I didn't. Uh, you didn't have it, but did you find it at all?
1: No, I still haven't seen this one. Um, oh, when I I, I keep look for it every time, but it hasn't shown up.
0: Okay. So. Okay. Well, um, the good news is uh, it's back being produced again. So look for it in your market. Uh, the bad news is I drank all twelve like in the first day and a half I was out. You know, in the woods. So, but you know what? I brought some backup. I brought some new Belgian sampler pack, and that's what I'm drinking from tonight. This sampler pack is focused on a beer that is a they call it a single ale, I guess. I don't remember, can't remember what. I don't have the bottle in front of me, but um, I think it's a like a pale ale style, and it's called a porch swing, and uh, it's pretty good. It's like it's a pale ale style. I I kind of when I first drank it. I wasn't sure what it was. Um, it kind of reminded me of a of a pale ale, but it kind of was a little, you know, had a little bit more stronger. Um, I don't know. I, I, it's hard for me to explain. It, it, it was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, but I was, So,
1: yeah, the single ale, I would imagine, is like a Belgian pale ale. Yeah. Is that, that would be like a single, double, triple, quad. Um, oh, yeah. There is a single. It just doesn't get a lot of press. Most people just call it a Belgian pale in the U.S., Okay. So okay. I would wager that's what it is or supposed to be. Well, John, I think you are right because
0: that goes right along with the 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 whole um like the abbey style ales they've been putting out with that like you said the triple and the double and and so so single. Yeah, of course it would be Belgian. Um it did say that they do use Belgian yeast in this beer, so again, you're you're right on track, but the problem is is I didn't get a uh a, a large Belgian profile out of it right i I mean i'm used to of having more of that that yeast characteristic take uh takes center stage in the beer but this one doesn't have it which is not bad Um, but that's why maybe i was a little bit confused on exactly what this was because uh it's very it's i think the belgian notes from this beer are kind of more subdued have you had this beer john no i haven't had this one okay yeah it's pretty good um they they put four of these beers in. Of course, two Fat Tires, which I have to admit, uh, you remember before we did our tasting note segment on the Fat Tire, I was a huge... I hated it. I didn't want to drink it, mostly because I've had it on tap where I didn't have good experiences with it, but after our tasting, I grew fond of this beer. In fact, I have drank a lot of Fat Tire since that episode, and I drank those first two Fat Tires pretty quick. My wife was was really surprised when she saw me drinking the Fat Tire because she knows it's not one of my favorites, but it's now become uh, one of those beers that I actually enjoy. So, hey. And you, yeah, you drank it before it was the
1: last thing available to you. Exactly. I, in, fa- <laughs> in fact,
0: it was the first two beers I drank out of the sampler pack. Is that saying <laughs> something or what? You were just getting them out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, but they had that. They had uh, two Ranger IPAs, um, a great IPA, um, I really enjoyed that IPA. It's well done. They also threw in, I think it's a Session, yeah, a Session IPA called the, oh my gosh, uh, Slow Ride. Uh, Have you had a Slow Ride yet? Uh, Yeah, I think I've had that one. Yeah, it's, you know what? Um, It's actually a pretty good IPA, Uh, 4.5%, I believe, ABV. Um, but it it has all the good characteristics of a good IPA, but just, you know, they kept all the good characteristics, but just made the alcohol, you know, a little lower than expected. And I think it's well done. What do you think, John? Did you enjoy the slow ride or is it something that you could, eh, you know, take or leave?
1: I think I had that one the last time it was out. So I'm not uh, real strong on my memory of it. it okay. I don't think it was something that I was over the moon with. But, okay.
0: Yeah. Um, it, yeah. Yeah, I think I gave it like a three-and-a-half cap rating on, on tap. So, it's, I mean, it's it's above average. Um, I enjoyed it. But, yeah, so, hey, I just want to say if you guys see the newest sampler pack from New Belgium that has the porch swing and the slow ride in there, uh, go ahead and pick it up. Give it a try. I think you guys uh, would enjoy it. I, I surely am enjoying it. I'm drinking the last beer right now from from that pack, and uh, I I wasn't disappointed in, in the overall... A variety in there, so um, you know what we 've been talking beer normally at this time, we would talk about our new and noteworthy beer, but guess what? Uh, John and I neither of us have really had any uh, noteworthy beers we 've been drinking some regulars and some stuff that's just you know it's it's, it's good, but we st- not st- stuff we want to really spend much time talking about, so we 're going to go ahead and sidebar that segment for this episode. And we're going to go right into our listener questions. And because I mentioned at the beginning of the show that this episode is focused mainly on our listener questions, then our bus segment will be answering their questions. So without further ado, we had Robert, a.k.a. or at TPS Sponge. He asks, what is the difference in keg and tap, cask, conditioned bottle, and nitro? And how do they benefit the beer? Wow, great question. Because, uh, you know, I've already mentioned on tap uh, quite a bit in this episode, just in the type of, you know, how I have been served beers. And, uh, you know what, there's a lot of variety in different kegs and different, you know, in tap. And, of course, cask uh, and conditioned bottles. You know, we hear that uh, you can see a lot of bottles will say uh, bottle conditioned. Hey, what does that mean? And what does it mean for the beer? And what should we, is there anything special we should do with this beer? Uh, And in nitro, right, that's a big, huge buzzword that is, you know, is usually highlighted heavily at uh, pubs and bar and breweries that, hey, this beer's on nitro and people seem to gravitate to it. Well, what can you expect from a nitro beer? So we'll answer those questions in our brew buzz. Also, we have our buddy Wes uh, he has uh, written several times, and this is just one of the questions that he had asked us to talk about. And he says he would like to see some discussion about caring for growler beer and how soon should you drink it, as well as the different growler styles and things along that line so uh, part of this whole uh, seg- you know segment kind of all goes together we 'll talk a little bit more details in growler and uh, you know what it is. Uh, why it's good why should, why you'd want to uh, use a growler and if you do use a growler how long you can keep the beer and of course uh, how do you maintain a growler so you make you know the beer tastes good all the time so uh, that's what we're gonna talk about now it's the brew buzz and again the brew buzz segment for any new listeners it's just a segment where we just can go ahead and talk about any type of beer related topic Uh, kind of explain it kind of give you a little education on the topic and uh, like we said this time we're going to talk about how to serve up beer and of course the first i mean obviously the first uh, type of uh, serving usually is going to come from a a, a can or a bottle i don't think there's any explanation for that right we you know we've kind of talked about uh, the benefits of using a can versus a bottle when we talked about our oxidized or old beer. Uh, we're not going to go into details about that. But we will go and talk about uh, keg and tapping. Uh, you know, when you have a, a beer on tap at a bar. Um, and, you know, the different sizes of kegs and stuff. You know, what, what you you ex- expect there? So... Why do, you know, why have a keg? What is a keg? A keg is basically just a container that is used by the breweries to transport their beer, store and transport their beers to bars, right? you got to get your beers out to the pub. And before, uh, you know, a lot of breweries and stuff, when they're first starting out, they can't really afford to go right into a bottling line or a or a canning line to get their beers, you know, transported out to, to areas. So they rely on transporting it in containers that are easily stored and and that can get to bars and they can put it on their tap system and serve it up so that's basically the 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 gist of the whole kegging system so um, kegs come in a variety of sizes and the probably the the most known one that that people know of is the half barrel which a half barrel is about 15.5 gallons um, you also have uh, another common one is the quarter barrel, which is 7.75 gallons. And uh, also a sixth barrel, which is five gallons, and a Cornelius keg, which is also five gallons. They're almost the same, but they're a little bit different diameters. Uh, but those are about the sizes of kegs that uh, that you'll see around your areas. Now, the smaller size, now, you can go and, and get these uh, half-barrel kegs, from a distributor and you can take it to your party and if you're having a big get together uh, you can you know use a keg and, and serve up a lot of beer so you don't have to go and buy a bunch of bottles and cans you can just have a nice keg um, but you know what some parties aren't big enough to really be able to drink a full 15 and a half gallons so that's where the quarter barrel comes in and the most common ones I think that you can, you'll can you find for home brewing and such and for uh, you know you, if you have your own uh like kegerator, uh, you can get these five-gallon Cornelius kegs, which are basically like old-style Pepsi kegs that were used to put the, the Pepsi syrup in uh, to be used in, in soda fountains and stuff. Uh, so kegs are pressurized with CO2 uh, to force carbonate the beer. Uh, the bar and the pub, they place the kegs on tap where their system continues to maintain the carbonation of the beer and can serve it uh, into a nice, you know, silver chilled into a glass. John, um, you're you're pretty familiar with uh, kegs and tap systems because, uh, you know, I visited your home and because you do homebrew and you have your own set of Cornelius five-gallon kegs and a, a kegerator you made uh, yourself to to have your beer on tap. You want to talk about some of the important uh, elements of uh of uh, having your own tap system and cleanliness and stuff
1: uh sure yeah so <clears throat> when the the bars get their their kegs they'll be maintaining their their draft lines and sometimes they have agreements with distributors to actually clean the lines uh so it may not actually be the uh, bar's fault if they got dirty lines and it's uh, messing with your beer flavor uh could be that the distributor hasn't uh come around uh, often enough to deal with that um but for the kegs themselves, that's for the, the brewery's job to to clean. And the, the Senki kegs that they, they use, uh, that we're all familiar with, the big ones you'll see stacked up outside of bars or uh, stolen a lot for <laughs> scrap, um, <laughs> uh, you know, th- those aren't really conducive to uh, easy cleaning. Um, breweries will d- use an acid wash and rinse to clean them out, but uh, they can't really be visually inspected without completely breaking them down and taking all the parts apart uh, but that's really time and labor intensive which breweries don't they, they just can't afford to do that for every single keg um, you know so a lot of them will spot check a keg from time to time just to make sure that uh, you know things are, are working but if there is some build-up that's starting to happen in a keg they may not catch it uh, until it uh, finally shows up in a in a finished beer but i uh, it doesn't happen often. Um, usually, it's uh, got to be some pretty extreme circumstances. But you know, it's not easy to maintain a, a fleet of kegs, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it's a lot of work that goes in for for them to keep them clean and and maintained to to keep serving us good beer.
0: Yeah, yeah. I um, I've when I visited, I, I visit breweries all the time, and uh, I always try to go through the whole. Tour all the way to the bottling and the packaging because I I'm curious how each brewery does it and depending on the size they do it a little bit different. One thing that was pretty interesting when I went to Lagunitas Brewing that last summer is I uh, you know I I stuck around for the whole tour and I went all the way back to their their kegging system and uh, they do a pretty damn good job of basically pressure. They have the system that that pressurizes the tank with and and. And I guess uh, I don't remember the details, but you know, it puts a sanitizer in there, and in the process that they do it, uh, I guess it's a pretty, a pretty decent job of, of cleaning their kegs out. Because again, you know, breweries don't want bad beer going out to their uh, to their customers, and I, I was really impressed with the system they had. I don't know if that's a standard system that. Most breweries that Keg uses, I don't think it is. I think most small breweries, they don't have the money to invest in a Keg system that can pump out. I mean, they, they, they said they are, they're pumping out a bunch of Kegs, like 100 Kegs an hour or something like that. Uh, they have a whole automated system, a crane system to help with their, because uh, these Kegs are heavy. And they had, you know, a lot of times, small breweries, they have to manhandle these Kegs. And, and that can cause a lot of back injuries and a lot of, uh, a prob, you know, ergonomic problems. They have this whole system in place. That makes it so that that their, their one person can handle this whole kegging system and they can pump out a lot of kegs along with cleaning it. so it's like a, it's like a whole line that goes and does this whole this cleaning and stuff. So uh, it's kind of interesting. Have you seen anything like that, John? Have, on any of your tours where they have a, a pretty sophisticated kegging uh, system?
1: Yeah, I've seen the sophisticated ones, but I think the even more interesting ones are the the small brewers that have cobbled their own together. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they they have a pump and they keep uh, two kegs, one with cleaner and one with sanitizer, just sitting there that they'll pump in and out of through the various kegs that they're cleaning and sanitizing.
0: Wow, you know, it'll be
1: it's just something they jerry rigged on some plywood and two by fours, but uh, you know, it works. So, yeah,
0: yeah, no, that's innovative, and you know what, that should help uh, you, John, out eventually you should keep that in mind so we can build it. I can you know we're both engineers. I'm sure we can come up with some pretty uh in- interesting uh you know machines or or you know ways to work around this uh kegging issue, right?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> keg cleaners are expensive.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, so that pretty much talks about all the the tap and the keg portion of it. Um uh, the beer is going to taste. Uh, it's you know benefits right of of a keg is, uh, it's in a metal container that's pressurized. It's not going to uh, oxidize. Uh, I guess you it's not going to light struck either, um, and it's it's uh, you know it's 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 served up uh, hopefully at the the ideal condition that the brewery wants their beer served. That's what uh, most people are going to taste the beer. Uh, that you know that goes to bars and stuff it 's going to be the way the brewer wants it, you know so I think that 's the the benefits uh, what is it? i don 't know is there any uh, i i didn 't write the benefits and the in the pros and cons of of each of these but any cons of of i mean I guess the cons for a tap or keg system is if the lines aren 't maintained, you can really get some bad off flavors from the from the dirty lines that can make the beer taste funky so that 's a one con is that if you 're the the establishment you're visiting does not do good maintenance, then you can get
1: crappy beer. So, yeah, there's a lot more pieces that could get in the way. Uh, another con is you have to go to the bar. Yeah, it's not yeah. your house. True, true. You got to go to the bar, <laughs> and you know
0: what? You go to the bar, and there's a search. You know, there's an, there's an upcharge for drinking the beer. Uh, that's one of the things that really bugs me is that you know you go to a bar to get 16 ounce beer, it's going to cost you you know anywhere from Uh, you know, four fifty to six dollars to eight dollars, depending on where you're going, and really that beer is you know is only a buck fifty if you buy it out of the bottle. So, I mean, that's another con I was saying is you're going to pay a little bit more because there's overhead involved in in that establishment maintaining that. Now there, I'm kind of dragging on here, but there is a benefit that some of the brew pubs they will. They because it doesn't cost them as much to serve it on tap, they actually remove that overhead, and they charge a reasonable price. One example here locally is Payette Brewing. Love their beer. If you can get their beers in cans in your area, pick it up. Fantastic beer. Not one beer they made that I – well, no, I take it back. One beer they have made I didn't like. That was that freaking pink uh, sour thing they (laughs) made. That was pretty horrible. But other than that, um, they make good beer, but they charge for a 10-ounce pour, $2.00. And for a 20-ounce port, $4. That pricing right there is fantastic. And that's where more, most breweries that are serving at their own brew pub, that's where the prices should be, in my opinion. I think Payette's it, doing it right. You're not, you know, they're, they're, they're making people come into their brewery. And, and when they, well, they're not making. They're having people come in, and they're giving them a benefit to come visit them more often and see what they have on tap. And I, I, love, I love that. so. All right, let's get on to the next thing. Next thing is nitro. What the heck is this nitro business that we hear everyone talking about? Well, nitro is short for nitrogen, which is the gas that's mainly used to carbonate the beer in a nitro beer. And nitro is typically, a you know, it can be different uh, combinations of of uh, mixture, but typically it's a 70-30 split of nitrogen and carbon dioxide, which carbon dioxide is the tip, the normal gas used to carbonate, uh, beer. Uh, and again, we can talk real briefly. When you have a carbon dioxide, sometimes as John mentioned, um, in some of our tastings, sometimes the carbonation can give you a more sharper, um, finish or flavor to it. Almost sometimes can be a bitterness. Um, so CO2 can be a little sharper. Uh, so, just, to, just so you guys know, nitrogen. On the other hand, no, um, it is a, a gas that is consistently uses smaller bubbles, and it creates a smoother, a creamier, and a heavier mouthful beer. And uh, the best thing about nitrogen beers is, when poured, the bubbles they create this waterfall-like cascading effect, uh, and it starts off with a like a lighter, you know, uh, bubbling. I don't know, bubbling uh, wave. And then it gives way to a nice dark beer with a light-colored, dense, fluffy head. Um, and the typical, the typical beer that you'll see on nitro that, you know, typically will be stouts and porters. Uh, but you know what? You can see all kinds of beers on there nowadays. Oh, So my experiences with nitro beers is that uh, I feel that nitrogen tends to really subdue the bolder flavors. Um, you know, I, everyone that listens to the show knows that when I drink a stout, I like to have that bold, that really bold roasted malt flavor. I don't like that that flavor to be, you know, kind of calmed down. I want I want that flavor, and I, in my opinion, I think it kind of, uh, you know, really kind of melds it out. It gets, makes it too smooth. Uh, so I don't usually gravitate towards nitrogen charged beers. Uh, there's some exceptions, um, you know. I have had uh, a few beers, and I don't remember which ones, but ones that surprised me that were actually pretty decent on nitro that I wouldn't have expected would have been good. So, um, so yeah, so the nitrogen is mainly used with malt-heavy styles. Um, but like I said, I've had a few even hop-forward styles that people have put on nitro and, and uh, not recommended because it will really cut out some of those hop flavors that you're used to. And uh, Guinness, in the one beer that probably everyone knows about that you either tasted or either heard about is the Guinness Irish stout. That's probably the most notable beer that is um served on nitro all the time. It's always a nitro 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 um carbonated beer. John, you have anything uh, that you want to talk about with nitro too?
1: Yeah, so you uh, with the the Guinness example, you know, there there's also breweries that will have uh nitro in bottles and cans and um, you know guinness does that all the time they advertise with the widget uh that will mm-hmm. get you that same kind of pour um but left hand brewing um also does a nitro mm-hmm. version the milk of beer, stout, milk okay. stout in, in bottles and i think oscar blues does something as well yeah uh, old chub and nitro in a can yeah, yeah that's right
0: it's a scottish shell actually it's pretty good yeah that's one of the ones i do enjoy uh, on nitrogen is that is that scottish shell
1: yeah and uh place uh, near me Snoqualmie uh, snow palmy brewing uh, always has with their pale ale on nitro as well which is uh really nice mm. um but you know the the nitro giving you the softer feel uh it was actually done to replicate uh the cast condition beer that we're about to talk oh. about oh oh well, well you know so, what John? why don't you talk about the cast condition beers yeah so uh cask-conditioned beer is a beer that's, you know, brewed through the normal process, uh, but is then placed into a, a cask, uh, which, you know, older times was almost exclusively a, a small wooden barrel, um, but nowadays is uh, a specialized uh, keg, um, commonly referred to as a firkin, mm. um, which is another great beer name or word, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um but it, it's it's put in there and it's uh conditioned in the keg so that's where it's going to get carbonated um and you know it's not filtered or anything uh so and that that'll be shipped you know to the establishment or a lot of breweries these days will have like cask night you know every Wednesday or mm-hmm. something they'll have something new on cask um but but really the you know the beer you know, matures in the cask, and it this is beer that is best fresh. Um, and it, it'll actually, if, if it's being served properly with the hand pump, which is mm-hmm. going to add uh, air into the into the cask or cask, um, you know, it it can spoil if it's not uh, consumed fast enough. Um, but you know, usually it'll it'll be conditioned with priming sugar in there to get the carbonation, uh, or it'll be added to the cask uh before it's quite finished with its fermentation and there's a little bit of sugar left so at the as the yeast finishes fermentation it automatically carbonates itself kind of um in there but you know the, with the the hand pump that puts uh puts the oxygen in there uh it's you know just put in place at the bar it's going to pick up you know characteristics of the environment and you know over in in uh, England, you know, you'll go from different bar to bar, and you know all these casks will taste different they'll ha- almost take on a house flavor of the the establishment because they're picking up characteristics from this environment and the the air that's pulling in and you know there's going to be yeast and other organisms that come in with that air. The beer's going to change. Um, one thing that people associate with cask beer is that it's served warm. Uh, which isn't really true uh, cask beer is is meant to be served at you know around 50 degrees still chilled uh, but it's kind of more at that optimal temperature you know that you want to drink your beer at um, it's just getting you there right away rather than <laughs> you know, a lot of places you get it and it's 38 40 degrees and you got to kind of warm it up yourself mm-hmm. um, so it is warmer than we're used to but it's not like it's room temperature or hotter you know um, still very pleasant, and this is still something that I, I want to go over to England mm. and just hop from place to place drinking uh, cask beer, just because it. I feel like nobody really does it right, yeah. you know. There are places that are getting better in the U.S., but I, it just doesn't uh, hold hold a, hold a candle to it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, here at Timborough in Boise, they actually have uh, their their cask is is in their like cellar area by the bar and they have a handle that the pump handle is actually attached to the wall. And I think it, you know, as they pump it, it kind of suctions out of the, out of the cask. Um, So it is a little, you know, like John said, it's, it's, it's it's a little bit chilled, but I'll tell you what, it comes out, it's pretty damn warm, but uh, it's amazing that it does take on, like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't uh, really associate it with the nitrogen smoothiness that he made me a comment about, but it is. It's, it does have this this smoother mouthfeel, um, and it 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 does con- it can t- really take on. So if if it's served if the cask is a a barrel an oak barrel whatever it really takes on those that woody oaky whatever barrel if it's a wo- if it's regular wood whatever the wood flavor it'll take on that flavor and give you that. Uh, you know, that, you know, that, that, that character into the beer, which is kind of, it's kind of cool. But, uh, but yeah, you're right, John. I think the England is where you want to go if you really want to get a good cask, you know, experience. All right. We'll have to make that trip together. Deal. (laughs) All right. Well, Hey, that was a pretty good uh, thing on the cask conditioning. Um, Let's move on into the bottle conditioned real quick. Uh, this is the last one that uh, that our buddy Robert uh, asked us about, and basically, bottle-conditioned beer is just uh, it's just beer in this bottle with a little extra sugar and, and yeast that enables the beer to be carbonated within the bottle. So, uh, typically, homebrewers, right? Uh, when you're first starting out, uh, you're not going to have a full system to pressurize and carbonate your beer. You're going to have to use this method where, when you bottle it, uh, you you add this little yeast mixture and, and primary sugars and, uh, voila, you give it a, how long does it take, John, a week or what, or, or how, how long does it take to, to carbonate, uh,
1: with, uh, usually give it about two to three weeks two just three to weeks. make sure it's not ru- rushed. Okay. Um, yeah. Some might be ready earlier and it depends on the temperature that you've got it at. The okay. hotter it is, the faster it'll go. The faster. Go, okay.
0: So. Okay. So yeah, that so basically as we already mentioned in previous episodes, but, because we're going to recap on what you've already learned, just to reinforce it, uh, the yeast that's in that we put in the bottle, along with that priming sugar, uh, the yeast is going to eat that sugar and it's going to poop out CO2 as a byproduct uh, to carbonate the beer. So that's how we get the carbon dioxide uh, into the beer to give it the bubbles that we enjoy in our, in our brew. Uh, some brewers they'll actually add sugar uh, at the boiling time. Uh, while others will stop the fermentation early and then bottle. Uh, and the latter approach leaves ferment, fermentable sugars for the yeast to consume, but is more difficult to control. So one notable thing to, to talk about with bottle conditioned beer is that these beers, you will often see sediment. Of course, you'll always see sediment in the bottom of the bottle or even the can. Uh, so you'll want to pour it gently. You want to avoid stirring up that settlement and having it end up in your beer because uh, it will leave kind of a funky flavor, a little bit of bitterness that you weren't expecting. Uh, and, of course, makes it really cloudy and looking ugly too. So, um, And, again, we've already mentioned the sediment, it's not bad for you. You're not going to die if you drink it. It's just not really meant to be drank. So try your best to try to keep it in the bottom. and. I even go, you know, I'm I'm pretty good. If I don't know if a if a beer if it doesn't say on the bottles it's, it's conditioned or if I'm not familiar with the beer, um, I ne- I rarely ever pour a beer fully into a glass without pouring it and then holding it up and looking through the if it's a bottle it's a lot easier looking through the light and seeing if I see the the sediment in the bottom. If I see the sediment, then I'm definitely not going to pour that whole bottle. Then I'll leave. You know, uh, a little bit in the bottom, just to make sure I don't get that crap into my beer. You, you you probably do the same, right, John? Or you just pour that stuff in.
1: Not really. Okay. I'm done. Home. Okay. If it doesn't tell me, I just go. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> and just drink it all later. <laughs> okay. Okay.
0: Um, so another aspect or or pro pro to being a um, conditioned bottle conditioned beer is that these beers tend to age better. Than beers that are forced carbonated. Um, any oxygen that's made its way into the bottle usually will be filtered out by the yeast. So again, you'll see a lot of beers that are that are you know a little bit better at aging will be bottle conditioned. So that's another uh, positive thing for bottle conditioning, and, and probably one of the you know the I think there's a lot of breweries that that pretty much all their beers are um, are bottle conditioned. But there's uh, some that, that, you know, only bottle condition the beers that they really want, you know, to be aged, you know, better. Um, all right. Anything else on the bottle conditioning, John?
1: I think we summed it up.
0: All right. Hey, we're flying through this show. Now to talk about Wes's question about growlers. And before we can really, you know, you hear the word growler, there may be people out there who don't even know what that word means. Because it's kind of a strange name, and where the heck did they come up with a strange name like this relating to beer? So basically, back in the late 1800s, beer used to be transported from the local pub to the home by use of these small galvanized pails. And the term growler is rumored. And there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that you know say this is this is truth, but we'll just say it's rumored that it's uh, the the name growler. Came from the sound that the beer uh, makes as it sloshes around in a container, and the escaping CO2 will cause the lid to rumble. You know, it kind of, you know, kind of rumbles as it's bubbling out of that beer as they're walking down the uh, the street. And uh, this type of uh, growler, this one, this this pale, you know, galvanized pale, uh, was was used um, all the way to the 1950s, uh, and after that point, the that concept kind of went dormant. Uh, In 1989, a man by the name of Charlie Otto, and this guy is the founder of the, of my favorite Idaho brewery, Grand Teton Brewing. Uh, At this time, um, Grand Teton Brewing was actually out of Wyoming, not uh, in Idaho. Uh, They moved to Idaho a few years, like in 92, I think it was. But uh, uh, Charlie Otto, he uh, reignited the growler craze, when he came up with this resealable half-gallon glass drug growler that, uh, you know, he, he was, you know, trying to figure out how they can get their beer uh, from the, the pub, bar, or actually the brewery, that really kind of only served their beer uh, at the brewery or at, at, at um, you know, at other bars. But they wanted people to be able to take their beers, um, you know, home. And they wanted to take it home in an easy way. So he went out. And uh you know, found these uh these glass jars. He went ahead and put some uh screen printing on with the with the local with his uh uh Grand Teton brewing uh logo on there and he sold he, he filled them up with beer and he sold them at the supermarket the, now they could be sold at supermarkets, but back then they were sold to liquor stores. Um so the original containers, they were just clear containers, like um Gosh, what did I say the containers were? They were uh, um, milk jugs, right? No, they, were, they weren't they were milk. Well, they were some kind of a glass jug. I can't remember exactly what they had in them, but he took them. Later on, they went ahead and they, they made the glass uh, amber color. Again, we talked about the fact that the UV light is very uh, detrimental to the flavor and the, the aging of the beer. It can really cause some bad light-struck... Skunking of beer if light gets into there. So they went ahead and and took the same concept and made these jars, these jugs now, instead of being clear, they made them amber color, a darker color, so that UV light wouldn't uh, affect it as as quickly. So that's pretty much the history of it. Um, Over the years, there really have become a number of styles that have come about. We've got the glass containers with screw top lids, we also have glass containers with rubber clamped lids, you know, I don't, and, and what's that flip top? What do they call those lids, John? Those, those,
1: what's the, the right name? Yeah. Flip tops flip, is what they're commonly referred to. Okay.
0: Uh, flip tops. Um, they also have metal, metal hydroflask, which is really nice. These are like a double walled insulated growler uh, with a screw top that really keeps the beer, uh, you know, can keep it cold. And it also is the top is really good at keeping in that carbonation. And of course, they have a same version, a metal growler that actually has uh, the same flip-top, you know, rubber clamp lid. Again, uh, you know, clamps it down and, and uh, just as it was on on the glass containers. Glass containers, the, these are nice because it allows uh, the the person who's filling the growler to see how full they are. It's it's kind of a benefit that hey, you're pouring this beer in from the tap. It's rushing in, and you don't want it to overflow. Um, of course, a lot of times too, as you're as you're pouring the beer into the growler, there, there's going to be a lot of hit foam head. You kind of want to see, you know, where the beer is, where the head is, and, and let it settle and, and make sure you get the max amount of beer in there. So glass is is a lot easier for that. Um, as well as as you're drinking it, uh, there's a visual indication of how much beer is left. You can just quickly look and see, oh. I'm down to a half a growler. Oh, I'm, you know, down to, uh, you know, a quarter growler or I'm almost empty so you can go fill it again. Uh, but the bad thing is, is uh, is their fragileness, right? Uh, the downside is, hey, they can, this glass can easily be chipped, cracked, or shattered if dropped. Um, and I didn't mention that the, the size of the growler, which is probably important. Uh, typical growler is a half-gallon size, 64 ounces. So that's what a typical, all these growlers that we're talking about, that's a typical size. But you know what? Nowadays, they've really they've come out with half growlers, which I guess I would, I'm assuming would be 32-ounce growlers, uh, which is also a nice size to be able to drink uh, one person in a single evening, where a lot of times, uh, you know, the carbonation, uh, especially on the screw top uh, glass containers, they may not last for a long period of time, and you want to drink it as soon as you pop that, uh, that cap off. Um, the metal containers, hey, these are much sturdier and they're, they they also, because they're usually double walled insulated, they're going to keep your beer colder for a longer period of time. So, uh, that's kind of a benefit, right? You put it in there cold, it's going to stay cold when you want to drink it. It's not going to warm up as fast. Also, when it doesn't, you know, warm up, you're, you're not going to have to recool it before you drink it. So that's kind of nice. And, uh, hey, uh, they, uh, are made of metal so you can drop it and you're probably not going to break it and uh one disadvantage a couple disadvantages one is hey uh you can't see through it so when you can't see through it, you don't know how much beer is in there and you don't know how you know clean it is uh you can't see things growing on the sides if you don't you know wash it out Whereas is a benefit of the glass is that you can exactly see how clean or dirty it is just by looking through the glass so john uh I've been talking a lot. You want to go ahead and cover some of the benefits of uh, using a growler and how you clean it?
1: No. Okay. No. I, I, uh, so, the yeah, benefits of, of a growler, you know, is getting beer uh, to your house. A lot of times, things that you can't get on, on bottle, you know, uh, you can head to your favorite uh, bar or brewery, um, you know, ask them to fill it up, and usually what they have available on, on tap, you can take home and a lot of times, those there will be special beers, you know, that are they're only available there at the mm-hmm. bar, and, and it lets you get that at home. Um, you know, for us home brewers, it's a very convenient way to to take a beer to share with lots of people. So that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, just pl- another plug for getting people into brewing their own beer. Yeah. Um. But you know, it, it's it's a really convenient way to to get beer, you know, from from the pub or something home. Uh, you know, to enjoy in your own comfort or uh, in your underwear, which they tend to frown on the <laughs> Um or to just share share with friends, you know, at a party or something. Um, you know, they mentioned, uh, you know, the the advantages and disadvantages between glass and, and metal for keeping it clean, um, but cleanliness is very important, and a lot of places uh, won't clean your growler uh, if they can see anything in there uh, or even if it's wet. They won't uh, do it because they don't know, you know, what that liquid is, Um, and you know it's their reputation. If if they they fill your dirty growler and then you go complain to everybody that the beer was bad, Um, so you know it's really important to to keep it clean. Um, You know, if if you've got any kind of mold or something in there, that's obviously going to affect the beer um, and and make it really nasty. So. You know how to clean the growler. Uh, really, the best way is just when you're done, uh, you have poured your last pint, uh, rinse it out with hot rot- water really well, um, and that's pretty much all you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do let it sit, uh, you can, you know, get some, uh, you know, dish soap or something, and if you got a bottle brush, uh, get in there to scrub stuff out um but make sure you wash or rinse it really well uh you know like we mentioned with glasses uh you know dish soap it it lingers so mm-hmm. you, know, you need to give it you know a good three or four rinses probably just to make sure you get it all out of there uh if you don't have a bottle brush you know they, it can be difficult to reach the corners of some of these uh containers so another option is to uh use oxyclean free uh, the free is very important. It's the uh, free of all the perfumes and everything like that. Mm. Um, get some of that and just put a little bit in, fill it with hot water and let it sit. And that'll eat away at everything that's on the sides. Um, I, I do that for homebrewing equipment and all kinds of stuff. It, it's great. Uh, even the, the pan that, uh, you burn something on in the kitchen, throw a little bit of that in there. It'll get it right off there for you. Um, so, you know, if, if you do homebrew or you want to swing by a homebrew shop, you can pick up cleaners that are similar to the OxyClean, uh, or you can even get some sanitizer if you want to, you know, take it to a new level. Um, but, you know, once you get it rinsed out, it's all clean. There's no mold in there. Um, let, let it air dry. Uh, you know, I, I like to flip it upside down mm-hmm. usually if, um, to start. But then flip it right side up again, or it'll take forever to dry. <laughs> um, or just put it on its side even, and that'll speed it up. But if you have it upside down the whole time, it's going to take a really long time for for it to air dry. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't try to dry it with a uh, paper towel or even <laughs> a dish towel. You know, it's just going to uh, leave you frustrated, one, because you won't be able to get it all out. Mm-hmm. And two, you'll end up leaving, you know, paper fibers or stuff that was on your dish towel in there. Um, but do not place a cap back on, um, until you're absolutely sure that it's dry. Uh, you know, no matter how well you rinse or clean, uh, if you put that cap on and it's still wet, something will find a way to grow. So, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah. um, leave the cap off till it's dry and, uh, you'll be, you'll be much happier moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing we forgot to mention
0: before we got into the, all the maintenance and stuff is, is how long beer, you know, how long you can keep beer in a growler, uh, you know. It, it, as far as, you know, you go, you go to the bar or the brewery and you fill your growler and they cap it and close it off. Uh, at that point, uh, your your growler's full. It's carbonated. The pressure because of the the fact that it's, you know, the thing is full and the carbonation is hasn't been let go. It's going to stay carbonated for for quite a while. I, I don't know a a steadfast number to say if you don't crack it, how long it'll stay. I'm going to say, you know, I don't know, three or four days for sure, if not longer. Um, Do you have any numbers, John, as far as if you don't crack the thing, just, you know, go get the growler filled and you want to leave it in your fridge for a party you're going to have? You know, how how long is it going to stay carbonated and 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 good. Yeah,
1: I, I would say you, you definitely have probably up to a week yeah. if you get it filled at, at the bar um, or something or the brewery like that. Uh, maybe two, mm-hmm. um, but that's probably pushing it. Uh, there are places though that now have um, like counter pressure CO2 fillers for, for growlers. Uh, there's a bottle shop near me that has one of these, it's really slick. Um, the owner's been doing tests with it that I've been following on untapped. Um, and she's had beers that she's cracked open, uh, up to like four or five months later really, that are just as good as if she had, um, opened it up the next day or later the same day. Um, so the, I mean this thing fills it up, uh, you know, purges the, the growler with CO2 fills it, uh, purges the top of it again then seals it, and then they shrink wrap the, the uh, cap on there. Wow. And, you know, they, she's been having some great success. So if you got something like that that you're getting it from, uh, you definitely have a lot more time uh, before you need to, to crack it open. But, you know, the, the screw tops, they do a good job keeping the seal, but they're not perfect. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have probably a very, very slow leakage of your, your carbonation
0: yeah yeah one thing that uh, my buddy Adam from work a little plug for for adam he he said that helps his um, carbonation stay longer even after he opens it is if he lays it the growler on its side so that the beer is actually the the liquid of the beer is at the cap he's he thinks you know he says that that uh, that helps his beer if he open if he cracks it open has one glass and he doesn't have doesn't want to drink the whole thing uh, in one sitting. Uh, if he recaps it and sets it on his side, he, he's had good luck with the carbonation staying an extra day um, with that method. Now, that's what, you know, speaking of that, um, as I mentioned, when it's full and carbonated at the source, it's going to stay the longest. Once you crack it, you're going to release whatever carbonation was built up. It's going to come out. Once you start pouring the liquid out and now you leave an air gap in there, the carbonation is going to have more, you know, bubbles are going to fill up that gap. And now it's not going to stay in the beer necessarily. And It's going to, uh, once you release the cap, it's going to be released every time that you pull it off. More and more of that carbonation is going to be released and it's it's going to get, you know, it's going to go flat quicker. My personal luck is uh, with, you know, I have not had good luck with glass screw top bottles or growlers. Uh, Typically, if I open open it, I'm going to drink it in one sitting. Uh, Usually if I drink... You know, half of it one night, the next night I try to drink the rest, the other half is flat. That's my luck. Um, I've had had better luck when I had a flip-top glass. Uh, I have had it where the next day I was able to to have enough carbonation in there. But, again, it depends on how many times it was opened and closed and, uh, you know. Uh, But the screw-top metal ones, um, I don't know. Those might have a better luck at, you know, sealing things in. But, um, again... I think, uh, you know, my rule of thumb is when I get a growler, I plan on drinking the whole thing in one sitting. Uh, How about you, John? What is your experience with how well uh, growlers will will keep the beer carbonated after it's been uh, poured Uh, in a glass?
1: I I shared a similar with you. I try to drink it all at once. Um, If I do put it... Have to put it back in overnight in the fridge or something. I try to make sure I, I finish it the next day. Yeah. Otherwise, it's it's not really going to be uh, lasting. Um, but the reason that it's actually becoming less carbonated uh, doesn't really have anything to do with the the ca- the cap or you know that. But it's when when you take the liquid out, the the CO two is going to try to form an equilibrium between. Mm-hmm. The air and the, the pressure in the air and the pressure in the beer yeah so the beer is more pressured than the air so it's going to release out of the beer and into the air yeah so the more air that's there you know the the less carbonated the beer is going to be um and so you know if you open it up and only take one glass out or just a taste out and then recap it you're really not going to notice anything um not not much anyway in terms of the rest of it being uh you know less carbonated but yeah you know you, you take half the growler or three fourths of the growler and you put it back in um you know you're not gonna not gonna have a lot of carbonation left the next day uh and you know if you're down to only a quarter of the growler left uh it's probably just time to man up and finish it because <laughs> you'll be really disappointed the next day yeah yeah for sure for sure all right
0: well excellent um i think that covered uh, you know all the questions that both Robert and Wes asked, and we really appreciate uh, that you guys took the time to ask these questions, and we were able to make an episode of it. Uh, a lot of content there, and I hope that uh, we were able to help you guys and all, you know all of our listeners understand uh, all these different serving methods, and of course the growler, the mysterious growler, uh, a little history and how to how to use it and clean it. Uh, it's a the growler especially is a great um tool or you know to have in your craft beer arsenal because like john said you you can't you know if you want to have a beer that a brewery is making and they only serve it on tap and you want to be able to enjoy that at home you need to have a growler to take it take it home so uh, they're usually very inexpensive uh you know anywhere from i mean you can get them i mean it depends every brewery is a little bit different you know some charge two dollars for a a glass growler and some charge eight dollars for a glass growler, it depends, but usually they're pretty cheap, anywhere you know five dollars or five to eight dollars. Uh, and then the, the beer fills are anywhere, again, depending on the brewery and how much the, you know they're to charge. Uh, typically anywhere from from 10 to 15 dollar fill uh, is, is depending on the beer style, you know some beers will be a little bit more expensive. So you know it's kind of a, a nice alternative. All right. Well, we do have one news item um, because we skipped this last episode. I just want to talk real briefly on it. We're not going to spend any time because we want to get this show, uh, you know, rolling through. But um, the article again is from the Washington Beer Blog, uh, provided by our buddy John. Uh, you know, because he's a Washingtonian, so uh, you know he obviously knows uh, this beer blog pretty well. I'm, I'm guessing you visit this thing often and I need to yeah. start visiting it because it when seems board
1: like when you're bored at work, this is it uh, gets okay. popped open
0: <laughs> okay, so this article is about Full Sail Brewing, in fact I mentioned Full Sail it's the beginning to show about their session lager that I enjoy so much, um, Full Sail has been acquired by Encore Consumer Capital uh, so again uh, we just uh, talked about Elysian and Barrel being bought out by Anheuser Bush InBev Um and now we're talking about full cell. Full cell brewing is an independent uh, brewery owned by the by 47 independent owners. You know, uh, they own the brewery. The, you know, the majority of the brewery is owned by the two founders, but then the rest is owned by uh, by the employees, which I really appreciate. And there's a few breweries like that. In fact, I believe New Belgium is actually a Employee-owned brewery, but I might be mistaken there too. I don't. I don't know for sure. I'm not from Colorado, but hey, any of our Colorado people that are familiar with New Belgium, let me know if they're an independently uh, uh, employee-owned uh, brewery. I think they are, but uh, but yeah, Full Sail is owned by the employees. Well, a capital investment group decided that they wanted to uh, make an offer to buy the brewery. It's uh, it's not a uh, it's it's an investing group that is, wants to try to start up a uh, kind of like a craft brewers alliance type thing where they they'll have a some ownership in a, in a, a bunch of Oregon craft brewers or craft breweries. So this is like I think the first the first of this uh, you know first acquisition of, of an Oregon brewery uh, by this this uh, group. And what's interesting, I'm not going to talk. Too much about the Ara Cook, except for the owners could have just that the 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 two um, majority owners they could have just done this behind you know said hey yeah we're going to sell to this company, uh, you know because they had the the majority voting right but they went ahead and and um, did a vote among all the the owners uh, all forty seven employees. And that they voted to go ahead and go through with it because they thought the benefit was uh, was worth it. So I thought that was a kind of a interesting change. You know, we, we you never want to lose. You, you know, whenever uh, a company owns the beer, you you think they're gonna it's gonna be. You know, you want that to you know be the driving force. But what do you think, John? Uh,
1: you know, I think this will be something to watch. Uh, the article does mention that the the company, uh, the Encore Consumer Capital. Uh, ha, has a you know a history of purchasing companies and then you know kind of flipping them to yeah. uh, you know larger uh, players in in the related industries so uh, you know is this kind of a, a move that's setting up you know the the sale to you know a b and Bev or or Miller or something like that you know remains to be seen you know it may not happen you know this year or but maybe three three four or five years down the road it could be what we're looking at. Um, but you know, just something to watch, uh, and at least for the time being, they they remain a, a craft brewery, unlike you know an official craft brewery, uh, unlike Ten Barrel or Illusion, uh, uh, who are, are now no longer you know counted for the official numbers that we talk about from time to time.
0: Well, I don't uh, think I don't think I don't think they can be either because they're no longer uh, they're they're going to be owned by I don't know, it's just not a craft brew company right so they're they're gonna they'll be taken out of the craft beer
1: well no because i think it it's what gets you taken out is being owned uh a certain percentage by uh a non-craft brewer um so a certain percentage by an abm bev or miller Coors or something like that um i think they would still qualify there are plenty of breweries out there that that are corporations and you know mm. have shares and everything like that uh you know Sam Adams is one you know, you can buy shares of That's Sam Adams That's true. That's true. Okay. So. Okay. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll buy
0: that. I'll buy that. Well good. I'm glad they'll remain a, a craft brewery. Um there was one thing I was going to say when you were talking that you brought you made me re- um but I I can't remember. I, it's getting late and I'm had a few too many beers maybe for my my uh memory to to work well. All right. Well, hey, um, yeah, just wanted to let you guys know, we'll keep track of this, uh, this, oh, I was going to say, yeah, I know what I was going to say the, Yeah. You mentioned that this, The that usually this company, this, uh, capital group will buy and then end up flipping it, you know, to make money, right? That's their goal is to, to make money on their investment. Well, when that's probably what's going to happen in a couple of years, but, uh, this company is also known for, for infusing cash to, to make it better than it was before they sell it. Right. So, um, you know, hopefully, by time it does get flipped, uh, if it does get fl- if it does get flipped, that uh, you know it'll even be uh, a bigger distribution to even be able to get out to more people in the United States, so more people can enjoy uh, the beers that Full Sail makes. So, um, you know, so that's a a positive thing, is you know that money's going to be you know it's not just going to be bought and flipped right away. It's going to be there's going to be some investment uh, into it to make it. Bigger and better than it than it already is, so that's a, a positive spin on it. All right, John. Well, that that was a uh, new story that uh, that I, I pretty much went flat on, but hey, John carried us through it. So thank you for your uh, insight. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone can tell I'm I'm starting to run out of steam here at the uh, at the end of the show. So hey, it's time to to go ahead and and uh, give a raise our glass to anyone
1: that we feel we need to raise our glass to. So John, you have anyone special you want to give a toast to tonight? Oh, just thanks to Robert and Wes for their questions and, uh, keep them coming guys. Uh, love the questions and, uh, really good ones. So thank you.
0: All right. I agree. Um, I also just want to thank, uh, Robert and Wes for your questions and all of our listeners for all your participation throughout the show, uh, in the last, Uh, 18 episodes, uh, Twitter, emails, uh, have been great. We really appreciate it. Keep those questions coming. I'd also just want to do a toast, raise my glass up to Open Forum Radio Network, because uh, without them, uh, we wouldn't have a show, because they actually support the show by providing the hosting space at openforumradio.com. And I hope that everyone goes out to openforumradio.com and just, hey, check check out the other great podcasts that uh, our network has to offer. Uh, Also, you know, being uh, I'm former Navy, and uh, I always just want to raise my glass to all the servicemen and women out there serving our country, protecting our freedoms. I just want to to hey, please come home safely to your families. And as a reminder for the next episode, our listener participation tasting notes will be with the Stone Brewing IPA. So you have two weeks to find a bottle or six of the Stone Brewing IPA. And, hey, if you'd like to contact the show, you can reach us through email at tapthecraft at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at tapthecraft. And you can leave comments on the show post on openforumradio.com or on Google+. Just search for Tap the Craft. And you can follow me personally on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Loose Screw and at Google+, Plus at Denny Luce. And, John, how can the listeners follow you?
1: On Twitter, at Prime Brewing. Uh, on Untapped at Prime WA, And when my kids let me, I blog about my homebrewing <laughs> at homebrewengineer.com.
0: All right. Excellent. Well, that means it's last call. It's time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank you all for downloading and listening to the show. We hope you were able to find at least one thing useful. And we welcome you to subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher Radio And as a reminder, we release a new episode every two weeks. And that's it for this show. And remember, friends don't let friends drink light yellow fizzy beer. Quality craft beer can be enjoyed by all. So spread the word and convert the beer ignorant.
2: Shaber from Open Forum Radio here. I want to go ahead and take a second to say thank you for checking out this episode of Tap the Craft. And I would like to encourage each of you to check out some of the other shows that we have here on the Open Forum Radio Podcast Network. Uh, we'll start it off with the original Open Forum Radio, The 40 Cast, Prove Your Point, Geeks for the Win, I Recommend, My Peanut Gallery, The Married Gamers, Some Other Castle, Gamer Husband's Radio, The OMG Hour, Gamers Unscripted, just press start, platform junkies, and jobbers on the mic. Hey, be cool. Give a great review to all the shows you like on iTunes, PodBay, Stitcher, everywhere you can give reviews. Review every show five times, and you are officially a good listener. Also, go ahead and visit openforumradio.com, links to all the different shows, uh, like the Open Forum Radio Facebook page, and... Uh, Take a second, if you like playing games online and with people and are cool, to uh, go ahead and look at Zabari's Gamer Information Spreadsheet. Fully useful information that will do nothing but enhance your online gaming experience. Alright folks, take it easy. Have a good day.